When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Oh, hello, and welcome to Potterooney, episode number 57, I believe, yeah? 57, and I am... You join me here in the Balrath Woods. Balrath Woods is a lovely place for a walk. If you're ever down in Meath and you're going down the N2 after Ashburn and before Slane, on the le- take a left turn, go in a mile, take another left turn, and it's on the left, Balrath Woods. And it's a nice little wood with a walk through it. And it closes at 8pm. Perhaps it closes earlier during the winter. Probably. Well, I'm staying off the path, though, at the minute. I'm right in the middle of the woods because I have Jake, the dog, with me. And he's off the lead, so I'm just keeping him away from the path. And he's running around in the ivy, sniffing at things. So, yeah, um, I'm... uh, Oh, I've got to say, Potterooney is sponsored by Jack Cody's Beer. And it's a lovely craft beer. There are many different blends, including mm, Lazy Eye, uh, Duxy, and and well, I can't remember the rest. But I had a Duxy last night uh, with some steak and some chomp, chomp on mashed potato. You could call it mashed potato with a bit of onion in it and butter and cream more oh, bloody delicious and was oh, bloody delicious with a couple of bottles of duxy i sat in with my son he's 18 we had a beer each and then uh, and we did some work on this podcast actually because i'm doing a little bit of uh, production on the podcast myself from now on and this this one will be a little bit different because i'll do some of the intros musically and uh I think I've ended up singing some of the intros in the style of the psychedelic furs, the voice of the psychedelic furs. Now, if you don't know them, just look up the song Pretty in Pink, Pretty in Pink, and Psychedelic Furs. Good film as well. Good coming of age film, Pretty in Pink. I actually remember bringing my daughter to... Uh, see it in the cinema uh, in the Lighthouse Cinema one Sunday afternoon and I hadn't seen it myself and we both enjoyed it and she became actually quite infatuated with that film I think she's watched it quite a few times it's in the vein of of this coming of age American type film Um, there are many more aren't there Lost Boys maybe is that something like that Breakfast Club definitely Molly Ringwald uh, she is in both of those, I believe. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, Pretty in Pink, that's the song. Uh, 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 good band. Uh, well, pretty good. I mean, I've only 
listen to a few of their songs, really. Uh, yeah, so I'm just, uh, the, it's the weekend after the weekend that I was at the Electric Picnic and uh, I did a, a fair amount of different gigs there. Uh, it was a lovely time. I had my two kids with me there and we saw uh, we saw the LCD sound system, uh, the Rubber Bandits, fantastic. We met up with Dylan Moran, went up and did some gigs with my son uh, but one gig with my son in uh, cafe, the Flying Machine Cafe. Met all those brilliant people. Siobhan McAndrew, wonderful uh, woman who who, who hospi- hospitalised. No, she didn't hospitalise us. She she uh, We availed of her hospitality in the uh, Flying Machine Cafe. Lovely food and coffee and chai lattes with a dash of rum. Which was something that we added. I don't think they actually selling that there and um, who else did I see there well um, well, because I was doing a thing called Rubbish Song for Europe which is a, a Father Ted themed Eurovision song contest with 14 entries from various people around Ireland uh, Neil Hannan got up and played My Lovely Horse which of course he wrote and the theme from Father Ted which is um, when it's not an instrumental at least it's called Songs of Love and he played those songs using my guitar um, I've taken a few photographs of that and uh, and, and, and I was so uh, oh I was pretty happy it was like one of those things where you go that's my guitar I felt like writing, I should write on that guitar Neil Hannon has played this uh, this machine so uh, that was good and then I went over to the Salty Dog and I sang Common People with Cronin. I sang that song, yes, the pulp song. Uh, but who else did I see? Well, I saw a, a, an Irish band called Beasts. Yeah, brilliant band. I hope I got that name right. I'm pretty sure. Am I right there? I think I'm pretty sure they're called Beasts, but they were really good. If they're not called Beasts, they're still really good. Uh, and uh, oh, And I saw the Trinity Orchestra playing Bowie songs for an hour but in the middle of all that towards the end who came on out of the blue big surprise was Hosier and came on and sang Heroes with the orchestra and that was a total surprise didn't expect that and that was that was was nice Um, and I saw the comedian Colin Terrell very good very shocking hardcore stuff but I liked it and um, I wandered around to lots of different things and I uh, saw the band Sack who were an old Irish band I'm going to say they're old but they're my age and uh, the bass player Derek Lee used to used to play in the band I was in called Guernica and they were really good um, and uh, Spec- Spectre is it? yes well the Grime group um who I've seen in, uh, in 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 Glastonbury as well. I'm sure I've seen lots of other things, but I can't uh, quite remember right at this minute. Uh, so that was my week, and this morning I ran a 5k race. You know the park run. If you go on the on the uh, internet, look up park run for free 5k runs, and there's one up in Oldbridge and every Saturday morning. So I've done that, and I'm waiting now to go online and find out 
what time I did the run in. And that's the exciting bit because there's a little bit of the, you know, the uh, athlete in everybody and you want to beat your own time or beat the fella that beat you the week before. So I'm down for that. So, uh, yeah, now in this episode, I'm uh, interviewing B. Dolan, who I went to see in uh, the Edinburgh Fringe. And um, both there's two interviews in this uh, episode. There's B. Dolan, who is a rapper. And um, I went to see him do a show with Sage Francis at the Edinburgh Fringe. And, and then afterwards, I'll be talking to Paul Curry, who is an absolutely a brilliant comedian from Belfast with a show that is not like any other comedy show that you will see in general this side of the planet at this particular time. Well, uh, I, I, I'll let uh, you have a listen and uh, and do ha- do get back to me. And I've had a great email from a girl called Lorraine who who has been listened to who's listened to nearly all the podcasts. Uh, and uh, so you go online as well on iTunes, and you go and you say five stars. That's what you say. So you go and do that now. Well, you can listen first, then do it, and uh, and you can uh, get me on my website. JoeRooneyComedian.com and my Twitter JoeRooney1 Okay, here we go Here's my new intro sung by me in the style of Psychedelic Voice Welcome to Potter's with me Sponsored by Jack In this episode I went to the Edinburgh I saw Peter and Saint Francis do a spoken word show. They're both rappers from Rhode Island, but I only got to interview Peter. Now, listen to All right, B. Thanks, thanks for talking to me and giving me a bit of your time. I'm sure I'm you're to talk to you. You're a busy man. For a man with a striking pants and attire, you're a man that demands to be addressed. I, yeah, yeah. I I don't look like a. a you're you're a well hit. dressed out here. They, the, your listeners cannot see you, but you're killing it right now. Am I? Yeah. You're, Hang on. Even your socks. There's a lot yeah. of detail. Uh, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I don't look like your average uh, hip hop fan, do I? I mean, there's no average hip hop fan at this point <laughs> in the game. Like, it's a big tree. There's a lot of branches. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look like I just came from from Oxford or something like that. Or something you look like, like <laughs> or Tyler the Creator, though. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a big statement when you walk out the door with red pants on. No. You're, you're open to a lot of. Uh, you're owning it. Criticism in a way that I really respect. No, <laughs> okay. it's not. There's no criticism here. It's all admiration. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So how are you finding the fringe? Because you know it's a long, it's thirty days, right, in the same venue. And I, I was, I was yeah. came to see you yesterday, and I, I, I felt you, you were feeling it was a bit like. Did I seem tired? You, no, you just seemed like a. Because <laughs> I mean, I've done, I've done the whole run as well. No, yesterday the crowd was like really stiff. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, it was a, it was a good, 
it was a well attended show, but it was like just um, there, and there haven't been many of the whole thirty days. But it was one where the crowd was really like I don't know what it was if it was like a different demographic or, I mean it was like Tuesday, right? It was, it was Tuesday, yeah, yeah. and so it's Tuesday like at one forty p.m. One forty, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But generally, yeah. people have been up for it. But yesterday, yeah, they were just a hard crowd to work with. Like, yeah, I felt that as well because yeah, I'd yeah. seen you uh, about a week and a half ago, and, and yeah. the atmosphere was amazing. That yeah, was, yeah. And that was a Sunday. And yeah, it was yeah, brilliant. And yeah, I mean, it's like you learn to power through. <laughs> you know, like I know, but it's the times you're having fun is like when you're putting a massive amount of energy out and you're getting some back, and then that that eggs yeah. you on, you know. Yeah. And when it's just and when it's all just a one way current, and I've learned mm. it doesn't mean that the crowd is not into it. Like no, they could be totally appreciative. Like those crowds are sometimes the ones that. And yesterday was the same. They came to the merch booth, and they buy up all your shit. And they, I don't know if I can. Sw- can I uh, can curse on this? Shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they buy up all your shit, and they're like, "That was amazing!" And like, man, you just looked at me with the stone face for an hour. But yeah, you know, some people are just not expressive. But that's that's what the fringe is like. I had that on uh, Monday night. I, I had a fucking it was about. Fifty people there, and they were just not giving me anything. Yeah, no, I'm doing yeah. stand-up, so I yeah, need. Yeah, no, yeah, I need yeah. a bit. Of You're in a or much more difficult position. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, yeah. I recognize that. Yeah, uh, and then at the end, big round of applause. So right, right, know, right. And uh, I yeah. presume they were enjoying it then. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they were. But uh, but it's also I think I'm only here doing five shows, but. 30 days in a row in the same venue. It do, I did it before here, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. does drive you a bit crazy, don't, don't you It's think? not... The schedule we've been keeping is also nowhere near as intense as what the comedians are doing here. So, I, mm. I mean, I see a lot of comedians that are just, like, buzzing show to show and then out flyering all day and then, all like, right. you know, like... Um, what we are doing, like... Uh, I mean, our reason for being here in the first place is kind of weird and unique because we were looking at this as a possibility of something we could do different than our normal tour which often our normal tours are 30 dates in a row except we're driving every day like eight hours a day sometimes yeah like um so in that sense this was like actually attractive to us because we were like oh 30 days in the same place we walk 10 minutes to the show we do the show for an hour and then we have the rest of the day to uh, what we what we're doing here is writing an album uh, myself oh, really? and Sage Francis yeah so that was really our number one reason for even taking the gig or, or like mm. attempting this and then as a byproduct we've like stumbled into the the fringe and like come to understand what this is <laughs> that we are at yeah uh, and how it works and yeah it's it's been like a big learning curve for us of like yeah y- y- we had promoters that were telling us because we were telling that like you know they're like well how do you think you'll do and we're like we have no idea how we'll do like I can tell you that 300 people will show up if I play Electric Circus in Edinburgh once, mm. but if I, a, a year, you know, but we're going to spread that over 30 days. Does that mean we're going to have like a per, you know, 10 people a day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, it's this whole like culture of like promoting to the festival within the festival we got here and, mm. and our uh, promoters, um, Synergy, who did a, a great job with this run, they've been killing it. They've had a street team here every day. Mm. Stu David coordinating everything, and they got us on some like BBC Poetry Slam, and so a lot of people have. Th- th- we did that stuff early on. Some good reviews came in, and yeah. So the rest of the run has been people kind of filtering in and mm. like, oh, I saw you at the BBC thing, or mm. you know, I've been hearing about this. All right, uh, yeah. So because I came to you through the Scroobius Pit podcast, right? Actually, yeah, and then a, I just ha- I realized that you, you happened to be here, and I'm right. Here, so that was it's a mix of people. It's either it's like our crowd every day is like half that and half people mm. who are just learning about us for the very first time, which is 
great. Like, I, yeah, that's really good. I, yeah. I, on Sunday, the first Sunday I saw you, I just come from Caroline Duffy, a poet. Yeah. And then I came to you, and it was yeah. it was great to just the juxtaposition of a you know poet poet yeah, poet yeah, laureate yeah. right 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 <laughs> <laughs> the poet poet yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and what you're doing because you actually do perform you're not just do you know what I mean I, yeah yeah you, like yeah I write you, I I write for performance generally yeah, yeah yeah it's been that way I mean that first one you do uh, what's it called uh, Elec- still electric still electric. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how did that come about? Because there's that is a performance. It's not just, you know, yeah. I mean, you're doing all this kind of. Yeah, man, that's an that's an old one too. Um, yeah. And I don't know how it came about. I think it was just, I mean, drugs. I think it was drugs. Yeah. If I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> that like was a, a, a younger, eighteen, <laughs> nineteen-year-old uh, B was was on on some on a potent cocktail. And uh, <laughs> but man, uh, there was a period in my life where I. I mean, not that I recommend people do this, this, you know, in mm. retrospect, but it was like all my favorite writers did drugs and, and it, you know, I was very into beat poets at the time mm. and I was like, okay, Kerouac was into speed and Burroughs was, you know, like, um, and so I was like, I'm just going to take every drug offered to me for a year or two. And I did that like at a time and I came out of it. Um, mm. because maybe because I had like a very formed sense of self before the drug experimentation shit, but it, really I, you know, that's right. arrogant. I was just lucky. Like the people that I was fu- doing drugs with at those times, a lot of them are addicts now, yeah. but I just sort of like, I was doing it for a reason. I was like running an experiment on myself mm. and the result was a style, um, at a, at a very formative time. You really, you think that you, the, the style of your delivery came from... In the beginning, at that yeah. time. When you're asking, like, still electric time, yeah. the early, yeah, like, it, you know, I was just trying to, like, expand my mind and experiment with words mm. as much as I could. And so I would just get very uh, laser-focused on the sounds of words and mm. uh, what what could be done with them. And, and it was an exciting time when I started performing in New York. Um, I was there... I moved there in, I guess, 99, and I was there until late, to, uh, after September 11th. Uh, and uh, so that at that time, you know, independent hip-hop was really happening in, mm. in New York. I was uh, started performing at this place called the New Eurekan Poets Cafe. Yeah. Um, that, you know, the slam thing still had a little bit of integrity and some, like, really cool characters in it. Um and yeah, and so you, you mean like kind of psychedelics? Would that be the kind of thing that would have influenced you? Like, or uh, oh, I'd say if you were <laughs> tripping, would you? Would no, you start I never. I didn't fuck with psychedelics. Did you too not? Much. No, really? no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I'm saving psychedelics for like later right. in life because I would. I was. I would talk to people about psychedelics, and they would say that like a thing I heard a lot, specifically with LSD, was that a it was very difficult to obtain like good, clean acid yeah. in New York at that time, and that. Uh, once you took it, you were not the same the next day. You were like forever changed. A lot of people told me that. Like it, every uh, and and that seemed unpredictable to me. I was like, I w- I think I want more control than that over like where where we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't think that's real. Yeah, you know. I mean, that, no. Yeah. I've taken m- magic mushrooms. Uh, well, I don't. I didn't. I never heard that about magic mushrooms, but I heard right. that about acid. I heard specifically okay. about acid because I, I have friends that were really into acid in, in New York and I thought about it and I investigated it. I asked questions and I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave this for later in life. If I hit like 50 or 60, that's when like the hardcore psychedelic experimentation begins, he, I think. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> you have less time left, so you don't give a fuck. Yeah, if I make it to 90, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. eight balls every day at 90. That's right, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I was thinking... Ketamine. That's about, what I, yeah. I was thinking about the Olympics. What they should do is let people who are over 60 just take as many drugs as they want <laughs> yeah. and compete. <laughs> yeah, a performance-enhanced <laughs> Olympics would be dope. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm up for it. I don't care. Because once you're over 60, you end up shit what yeah, happens yeah. to your body. <laughs> I'd like the politicians to be honest, but the athletes can do whatever. You turn yeah. yourself into whatever kind of mutant and you're willing to, do, you know, go for it. Uh, yeah, I'd love no. to. I'd love to see like a seventy-year-old like just fucking flying down, throwing that cars meters. at each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it'd be amazing. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, and I like. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, you at one point you you do the Evil Knievel thing yeah. as well, and that's yep. like pretty, you know, performancey. You know, yes, that like, that was, and then you know, weirdly, once I found the style, and once I once I found a voice. I needed the drugs less and less, mm. um, is what was what I found over time. And yeah, mm. so then that early young experimentation thing kind of gave way to like me learning how to like where where my inspiration came from, how to work with it, how to you know summon it on command, um, and how to you know control it. Has been the rest of the story after the drug experimentation. It hasn't all been that, uh, but yeah. So this mm. evil can evil thing. I, I found the record. I was driving home from a show. It was college radio. They were playing. They were playing this record called "Evil Knievel Speaks to the Kids," right. where he gave this press conference before the Snake River Canyon jump, and I had never heard him speak before. And he had like this really interesting, like clipped Montana, you know, cowboy delivery. Right. And he, like, and and the stuff he would say about like life and death uh, was so like poignant, and I never thought about it. It was like, yeah, of course, like. Oh my god, this guy! Like you know, like yeah. I just like he. I he was a little before my time, so I, I. It wasn't a given, but I suddenly like started investigating it, and yeah, he's such a character. And I performed as him. My grandmother made me that suit, and I would like. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's how th- that piece had a really long evolution. Like mm. at first, I just thought I wanted to perform that record, so I chopped up parts of it and I memorized his answers and I my grandmother made me that evil Knievel costume mm. and I would trigger the questions with the backing track and answer the questions and then I would play the final countdown by Europe and I would jump a toy tricycle over three toy buses off a ramp a little wooden ramp that my dad made me I think yeah and and go <laughs> off the edge of whatever stage I was on including some like really giant festival stages like there was like blood in that costume at one yeah. yeah 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 uh. and I I did that for a I did that in bars for a while, and then I realized, like, as soon as people saw the toy tricycle and the toy bikes, no one gave a shit about the spoken word performance. They were just like, do it, do it. (laughs) And then, so then I shortened, I condensed it to, like, this inspirational speech that was cut and pasted out of Evil Knievel quotes. Mm -hmm. And I would say that as Evil Knievel while Chariots of Fire played behind me and uh, Mm -hmm. and then jump it. And then at the end of a year of doing that, I had this weird, like, window into into who that dude really was which just happened in a hotel room where i was like tired exhausted burnt out and like just feeling run down and i was thinking about this this thing i didn't mean to go on this long about evil knievel but 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 he he had this thing that he would say when he would talk to kids and he he would compare using drugs and alcohol to um the drivers at the indy 500 that use nitrous or nitro to go faster he's like if you use drugs and alcohol You'll be like those drivers. You'll go real hard for a couple laps, and then you'll burn all the hell. All right. And 
he, you know, so he's trying to be a drug-free role model in public, but yeah. behind the scenes, like he's he's coked up out of his fucking mind. You know, he's like yeah. a sex addict. He's losing, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He had a real, you know, behind the scenes, he was a totally different person. Right. Right. And and he's trying to be the all-American hero. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and yeah. so I I but I was in that hotel room. I was exhausted, and I was thinking about that metaphor that he would say, and I was like, oh, he told those kids that because he probably had he probably felt like those cars that are all shot to shit after mm-hmm. like being rocketed through the atmosphere. Like that's what it felt like to be him probably. Right, right. Um, and from that, that little bit, I wrote the sky cycle blues, which is the poem that I've been performing yeah. at the fringe. And yeah, it took a year. Uh, it was a, such a weird evolution of like how that thing came to be what it yeah. is now. I like, well, you know, it's the same with the last temptation of Wiley Coyote. You take it like a, part of American culture not not high art but something <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that's I don't know no, but it's not high, but you make it into something yeah. really you know intense no, that's <laughs> yeah. what I love about it yeah yeah, yeah. thank yeah. you man yeah yeah I think I, I talk about it in the set but I do I do think that that's like our shared mythology is these yeah. weird like pop culture idea like there's yeah. these certain symbols and figures and personas that we all have in our mind that we share mm-hmm. collectively and the, and it's like Kim Kardashian, right? And there, Wiley Coyote, yeah. Like there are Greek gods. Yeah, like you've never met that person, but yeah, you could tell yeah. me so much about Kim Kardashian. You know, like yeah. or you have a strong feeling about Kim Kardashian, or you like, and yeah. so like we. Can, I I feel like I can talk about things that are often like autobiographical because a lot of that mm. Sky Cycle Blues poem is about my grandfather. Is about the process of watching him die. Um, I, I, and I only realized that kind of after mm. the fact, like, oh, that's why, uh, you know, like I'm talking about evil can evil in such like a personal deep way. Yeah. Um, is because I needed to express that. But like at a certain early on, I realized like, I don't want to put people's real names in songs. I don't mm. want to like, put, or poems in and like release those things. Um, so yeah, this is a bit of like subterfuge and. Yeah, device anyway. But well, I mean that just happens as you write, is it? Yeah, it's totally, not, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Same with say so something like the last temptation of Wiley Coyote. Did you like? Did you go? Oh, I've got to write. Um, you, that, the Wiley Coyote thing is <laughs> it's more. And people won't have heard this because uh, this, okay. this that hasn't even come out yet. Right. Okay. Um, okay, okay. But but that's fine. I'm I'm happy to talk about it. But uh, yeah, the Wiley Coyote. The there's a new poem or song or both called the 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 last temptation of Wiley Coyote, and uh, it came from like having a number of people in my life who I I watch go through the same cycle of trying failing trying that's failing that's the amazing thing and, and it's just that's what yeah, Wiley yeah. Coyote does it made me think about <laughs> Wiley Coyote yeah, and be yeah, like yeah. is there a day when Wiley Coyote gets the latest package from Acme and yeah. it's like fuck this like it's not going to work <laughs> yeah. like I'm not <laughs> you know like is there a moment yeah. and that just that question that idea is like could there ever be a time when Wiley Coyote would just say fuck it and like go vegan yeah yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah oh, it's amazing it's really good. Um, so, like, I'm kind of new to this whole idea of mixtapes and all this. I, like, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to get my head around it. Is that, like, stuff that... The UK th- struggles to understand. Oh, really? Mixtapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm always explaining mixtapes out here. Yeah. Because I guess it just wasn't, it wasn't like, as an important part of the culture okay. um, in rap. 
But, but from for me, I, I, I was born in 81, uh, mm. so I was maybe like 11 or 12, around like 92 to 94 time, and I was living in Rhode Island, which is about three and a half hours north of mm. uh, New York and one hour south of Boston. And so there wasn't really hip-hop where we were growing up, but, mm. but it would like trickle in through like... Um, like a radio station low on the dial that you could catch from Boston or mixtapes that would come from a lot of which I probably came from kids that went to New York and had family in New York and came back to Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they were like DJ clue was a big one that, you know, like I, and, and what you could find of rap, you would just cling to, like, mm, right, yeah. you know, so I had five or six mixtapes that I just played the hell out of. Um, and they were, the mixtape was sort of, but just it's the stuff you can't put on the official album okay. for one reason or another, Be- or because of samples. Or usually, yeah. for, in my case, it's it's because of samples. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's things that we don't clear or can't clear, um, but we still want to make the song, mm. and we're not willing to not make sample based music. But sample mu- based music is. I mean, I, uh, years ago I was into uh, Diggable Planets. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember yeah. their first album was amazing. They yeah. had loads of samples on it. Yeah, yeah. But then their second album, I didn't really like it because. <laughs> I mean, there's certain there's certain producers that were masters of that style that elevated that style to to something that is absolutely like breathtaking and stands the test. Like mm. if you go listen to De La Soul, the first album, uh, album yeah, amazing. or any Take of the, the first, you know, like yeah. for me, Balloon Mind State is okay. is an ideal, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, any of that uh, Tribe Called Quest stuff, like mm. those Dilla, you know, like um, th- there is a an art in sample chopping that is like undeniable mm. um if you know anything about it if you spend any time amount of time investigating it yeah and yeah to for those people to not be if though for those records to not exist because someone was afraid of getting sued um would be a tragedy <laughs> as far as i'm I, concerned it's so. a shame that i don't know as the the law changed did it so you're like really fucked if you put yeah. a sample on i mean it's it's nuts now like with yeah. this uh marvin gay robin thick um lawsuit recently i don't know about that um yeah the family of marvin gay i guess sued robin thick for blurred lines that song okay they claimed that it um it borrowed really heavily from a it wasn't a sample but it was it was influenced it was clearly influenced and the judge ruled that it was influenced and awarded a settlement to marvin gay's family so now it's not you don't even have to use the master recording and sample it it's like if if we find that this is very like something else which yeah. is crazy dangerous that's bullshit, like, yeah. yeah the led zeppelin stairway to heaven thing was another mm-hmm. trial where that's being like looked at is like mm-hmm. how close is too close even if you're not using a recording well that's kind of yeah bit shit, right? <laughs> yeah it's a bit to navigate yeah do you need to to start, sorry. Okay, sorry. I am uh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. And uh, okie dokie dokie. Well, can you yeah. Okay. Right. Sorry. Well, listen. Uh, what? Just to wrap up, what are you? What are you writing an album now? What's age? Yeah, we're here at the Fringe writing an album, uh, which is the Epic Beardman album, which will probably, yeah. hopefully, be out in 2017. We got a lot of demos done while we were here. Um, we're heading now after the Fringe to go tour the UK for six dates, mm-hmm. uh, playing Manchester, Bristol, Brighton, Leeds. Two shows in London. One's a music show. One's a spoken word show. Okay. Um, and then afterwards, I'm playing a party in Reading and a show in Preston at the Ferret. 
Um, cool. And yeah, we'll probably be back next year. Well, it was a pleasure to yeah, meet pleasure you. To meet and you, man. Your show was yeah. just amazing. Thanks for the chat. Thanks for the support. Okay, thanks, B. Big up. Strange famous. Yeah. Strange, Strange famous. 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 Then I interviewed the Belfast comedian Paul Curry. His act is incredible. Using music and visuals and prompts. But that doesn't describe how wonderful he is. I met him at the park. I was a little that was very unprofessional of me But he's such a nice guy He forgave me So here he is Paul Just download straight onto the uh, Interweb? No, it's on a, it's on a memory uh, oh, right, okay. thing And then I put it on there we're recording, yeah. Okay. So, Paul, hey, thanks for meeting me, and I'm sorry I'm late. That's all right, no problem. Okay. That's all right, Joe. Messed up there. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. uh, anyway, you, you're, you're near, near the end of the run now. You've, yes. You're feeling a bit uh, physically wrecked, are you? Yeah, physically and mentally. It's a, it's a, it's a gruel, like, you know, it's yeah. a real um, uh, endurance test. Well, for you, I mean, I've, I've I been to see a show twice here, here, and, and I've, I've seen it in Glassbury. It's a very physical show. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually the physicalness of the show. Too. Yeah, I kind of, I guess that comes from doing like street performing and stuff. Anyway, I kind of bring that energy into, yeah, into the room, with me. You know, um, can you hold it a little bit, a little bit more like that? Is that better? Yeah, that's good. Is that better? Um, yeah, I kind of bring that energy into into uh, into a comedy room in a comedy situation. You know, uh, four walls and people sitting on the f- sitting down. It kind of makes me feel. I like to see them. Working a bit more, you know, and getting involved a bit more, you know. It's that's brilliant. So, did you start off doing street theatre? Yeah, that was yeah. my yeah. Before I started doing stand up, I, I kind of uh, came from it. From uh, I, the progression for me was um, uh, stilt walking to uh, walk about characters, which we get hired to do through the circus school. So I did those on that. So I went from the stilts, where it's essentially two hours of being on a set pair of stilts, just bantering, yeah, just general banter. And then I, uh, I went to a comedy club and saw somebody doing five minutes on a stage, you know, doing the same sort of shtick. And I thought I could maybe give that a go. Yeah. But I, I went to comedy clubs for years and just never, it never really ever entered that part of my brain where I thought I could be up there. I mean, I enjoyed it and thought, uh, I knew it was funny around friends and stuff, but I just never ever thought I would have the balls to get up on uh, in front of people in a comedy club, you know. Oh. I was that nervous little um, comedy fan geek who wanted to be there but never could ever perceive yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's still in my head it's still fresh in my head I can easily go back to that person who sits there and just goes because I you know I, I can do that in a comedy club I'm actually still a really good comedy audience member I'm a big laugher I mean I still can switch off you know and, and get yeah yeah right go yeah. back to that and lose the the fact that I, I can now do that, I'm now in that kind of world. Yeah, but you found it easier to do the banter on the street, no problem. Found it way easier. Yeah, yeah, way, way, way easier. I don't know why I just did. I don't know. Maybe it's because being on stilts and you've got that extra kind of. Um, well, you've got the height, obviously, but um, <laughs> yeah. physically you've got the height. But um, uh, a bit more confidence because people are giving you a bit more respect because you're on a pair of stilts. They're oh, like, yeah. shit, that's not easy. Obviously, so okay. you've already got that going for you. People are yeah. already kind of like 
a bit of respect for you. You know, they're not. It's not like you're on eye level, just walking around talking shit to them like a mentalist on the street, like a right, madman. Right, you're right. on a pair of stilts, so that immediately puts something in someone's head. Like, well, he's obviously got some skills there. You know, he's he's okay. on a pair of stilts. You okay. know, it's not easy. Um, and then went from that to the ground, walking around on the ground, doing character walkabout, which was anything from. I, can't, I invented all these characters like a, a street Hollywood director, like a 1930s Hollywood director, where I would just rock up. Um, there was no cameras or anything. It was literally just me and an old Hollywood director's chair dressed mm. as a Hollywood kind of like uh, Cecil B. DeMille's kind yeah. of character. And I would just rock up in any city. I would go in. I would be paid to do this. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. Just yeah. Be yeah, doing yeah, you just this. I wasn't having a breakdown or anything. <laughs> I was paid to do this. And I would go and just rock up, say, at a bus stop, knowing that there was a bus about to turn up. And okay. I would just rock up. And I had a big bullhorn, yeah. a big old school bullhorn. Put the chair down, sit, and just wait and go, and Action. action. <laughs> And then people would just do their own thing. People would get off the bus and we'd go, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Just keep walking. As we rehearsed, no cigarettes on set. Put that out. And just direct just direct what was happening, you know, naturally on yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved doing that shit. But then, obviously, then that progressed to doing a circle show like, a, like they do on The Mile, which is a solo uh, circle show, you know, that they do uh, the Buskin. Yeah, right, right, show, right, that's right, right. Just a circle, oh, sorry, yeah, Boston, just a yeah, circle sorry, show. Yeah, where where people, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, that progressed to that, and then also and, and, uh, comedy. That was stand-up uh, stuff, if yeah, you want to yeah, call yeah, it yeah. stand-up. It's very, you know. No, it, well, uh, yeah, I suppose I wouldn't call it stand-up. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 I think stand-up has become very, very um, pigeonholed, you know, with what yeah. it's supposed to be from what people perceive on TV and what they're yeah. not used to is being one person in a microphone that's true and you know and then you look back at the likes of I mean I always say this this is my this is one of my um, my uh, default rants is uh, about Steve Martin yeah. I'm a massive yeah, fan of yeah, and you look at him and people and so many comedians cite him as a massive influence as one of the greatest stand-ups yeah. and he was a clown he was a props yeah, clown yeah, comedian yeah. and I hate using the word props but he used props he was physical um, did, you know uh, didn't need to say much it was all physical stuff, you know. I mean, he was able to get a couple of uh, album, uh, you know, of you know, verbal albums out. But yeah. mainly, a lot of that is still stuff that you can't see. You're just laughing at what the audience are yeah. seeing on the records. You know, you can't. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, no, uh, it's true. And even when what was called the alternative uh, comedy scene started in when was it? Maybe the eighties. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of physical stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look I mean, at uh, Rick Mail and the young and, ones. Yeah, yeah young yeah, ones and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It was over. And I was brought up on that. And the likes of even Chevy Chase and Steve Martin. I grew up with all that, watching all that physical, yeah, the physicality of it. You know, I know Chevy Chase is maybe not everyone's favorite comedian, but physically, I always loved watching him as a physical clown he yeah. and I watched loads I mean I and Andy Kaufman as well too he's a huge, huge influence on me too you know just that subversive fucking with the audience you know playing playing with the audience and, yeah. and creating awkward moments within a crowd and yeah uh, and and you know the first thing that I probably laughed at really I found really hilarious was the Marx Brothers and uh, oh yeah 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 and, yeah. and you know it is quite subversive oh absolutely I mean, it's as political as any yeah, humor, I love the Marx Brothers. I yeah. mean, I I did that. I mean, I, I did it with music when I was into music. I I got into a shirt, certain genre. It was like uh, was heavy metal was the first one that I got into. But then I yeah. just me, my personality. I just um, absorbed all the influences that created that genre of music, and I did the same with comedy. Right. I got into Steve Martin and Andy Kaufman, and then just sub, uh, or no, well, it was more actually Vic Reeves, if I tell the truth, yeah. Vic Reeves, and then wanted to know how 
what influenced him. So then I got into the Goons and Spike Milligan, and right? Just kept going back and back, you know, to the music hall. Yeah, so I'm a huge music hall fan of all the absurd music hall, and I run a music hall in Belfast, like a oh, contemporary yeah? music hall cabaret. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was all it all stemmed from that and the Muppet Show being a the Muppet musical. Show is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about albums because Muppet Show albums have yeah. stuff like Fozzie Bear on roller skates. Yeah, and you can't see. No, what's no, no, happening. no. I know. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah. I loved the Muppet Show. It was full of absurdists. You know, like Gonzo, for God's sake. You know him. Uh, yeah, was Gonzo's amazing. You know, yeah. uh, whistling Dixie while balancing a piano. I mean, it was just. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, and I bring a lot of that into my show. I guess if want of a better. Um, mm description of my stand-up is like a one-man Muppet show, you know? It's yeah. just all of the Muppets wrapped up in the yeah. me, and then a bit of the young ones as well. Yeah. And then a bit of... Okay, I mean, no, no, I'm, I, I, I quite happily, actually, not like a lot of comedians, I happily wear all my influences on right. my sleeves and don't deny any of them. Yeah. People come up to me afterwards and go, hey, you're a little bit like, yeah, you got a bit of Steve Martin going on there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll take that. Yeah, or yeah. a little bit, um, you know, Kaufman, there's a bit of this, there's a bit of that, there's a bit of yeah. Victor Bob. Yeah, absolutely. I, I suppose there is, but I mean, I don't. Um, it's not that obvious, really. Yeah, oh, maybe yeah. some, maybe other comedians just kind of like to nitpick that and sort of yeah. go, eh, "You're, you're doing, you're trying to be like, yeah, yeah." Because and I, maybe I don't know if it's a jealousy thing. They're just pissed off because I'm doing something a bit different than what they're doing yeah. or what. But I find a lot of com- comedians are just bitchy. They are. They're bitter. They're so bitter, bitter horrible bitchy people. people. You know, <laughs> they really are, and they love to call you a prop. Look down on you and call you a props yeah, comedian. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I love to just go. Well, you know, you're you're just a microphone comedian. That's all you've you've got. Your prop. That's your, your prop is your microphone. <laughs> well, you're just talking. But I mean, the, the one thing about your stuff or any stuff that's visual or physical is the laughter comes from a different place. You don't. I, I prefer that kind of laugh. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah. It's, that's that's the stuff that turns me on. Like yeah, like, the, like Vic and Bob and, and Spike Milligan. You're and, not sitting there Python. going. Oh yeah, that's very clever. Yeah, ha 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 ha. Yeah, <laughs> or you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it catches you off guard. Yeah, you know, it was all that sort of. Steve Martin did a lot of that. He was very much into his um, non sequiturs. You know, just kind of, you'd be laughing at something three bits back, while he yeah. was three bits forward in the another sketch, and your your brain was trying to keep yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. It, you know, a little bit. And I like I like to do that to an audience to just to really. Com- I like when your brain does that goes into that wobbly, fuzzy kind of. Giddy, mm. makes giddy, 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 giddiness. Yeah, yeah. So when you've hit, you've hit that spot where everything's funny. Then, because yeah, yeah, you're just, you're just giggling and you, just you can't, can't stop laughing. Yeah, <laughs> wish it had been like that last night. <laughs> it was a terrible. Was game. it? It was awful. <laughs> there was, yeah. A, yeah, there was a couple of drunks in and uh, uh, pay what you want fringe. There's no security or anything on to monitor this, and yeah, it was. All right, yeah. I had to remove them myself, you know, and it took uh, quite a while. You had to remove them. Yeah. Holy shit! It took a while. Got yeah. them out. We got on with the show, and it was all grand. Everybody enjoyed themselves, but it was. Jesus, that I think it must have taken all of about maybe five minutes to get him out of the room. Yeah, two of them, but it felt like felt like ages, it felt yeah. like seventy minutes. Yeah, it yeah. really did in my head. It just felt like and everybody was sitting quiet. There wasn't any giggles. I oh, wasn't really. I wasn't. I didn't want to rip the piss out of them. I'm not that kind of comedian. Yeah, I didn't want to take the. Piss. They were clearly, maybe, maybe even part, possibly homeless or something. But they were really oh, drunk. Okay. I didn't want to take the piss out of them. But they were just drunk, yeah. really stupidly drunk, and they would have ruined the whole show. Yeah, because they were already just talking. Yapping. Five minutes in, they were already, they wouldn't shut up, right. and um, it was funny to begin with, and everybody was kind of laughing at them, mm. and you know whatever. But mm. I, I was, I just knew it was going to ruin the show, so I gently, re- I didn't forcibly remove them. I mm. just asked them to leave, and I actually said, "Come back tomorrow when you're less drunk, and we'll have some fun," you know. Yeah. But they got aggressive, and 
Really? Started shouting, <laughs> call me a fascist and stuff. Like that. <laughs> but the audience were booing them. The audience started booing them at yeah. this point. The audience were just booing them out. They didn't want them to be there either. Right, right, I gave right. It, I said to the audience, do you want these people to yeah. remain in the room? And they said no. And, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. But yeah, got, yeah. Wow. That's tough. Sort of I, I would have pulling thought. that back was uh, tough. Right, yeah, because the atmosphere oh, then was, has gone. Yeah, a bit yeah. But it was fine. But I mean, you've done a lot. I saw you in Glastonbury there a few months ago, yeah, yeah, and yeah. What, I think it was about eleven or twelve in the morning or whatever. Twelve. Oh and, yeah, no, and, it was, and, yeah, it was eleven thirty or something. Or something. Uh, it was early. It was early uh, for Glastonbury anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean that was amazing. I loved Thank it you. when you did the your um, you know your big, your big entry. Oh, the, the flying in the bit. The flying yeah, in yeah, bit yeah. when you went over to the toilets. Anyway, that yeah, that was no, that was brilliant. Yeah, I forgot. About that, that was fun. Yeah, okay. yeah I love doing Glastonbury. How, how do you uh, again? That's actually the best balance. I love doing Glastonbury because it's the best balance for me. It's outside, yeah, but it's also like a stand-up stage. Yeah, so it's like it's my perfect world. Right, yeah, yeah. You've got so a, a you've got a good PA. Thing. You've got a head mic, and you've got someone. You've got a tech. It's essentially like being in a comedy club, but just out, outdoors. Yeah. So I don't so much like doing the comedy tent at Glastonbury. It's um, just being inside, especially. It just right. drains that. I feel it kind of. Drains the drains people, drains the audience a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And they have preconceptions as well when they come inside. They're sitting there and they that it's uh, they they're expecting. They're man. more expectant. They've got a higher expectation in their head because it's a big stage and a big it's a big, a big tent. comedy tent. Massive. Whereas when you're outside, it just feels like all the rules have gone. Yeah, yeah. There's no yeah. rules. Yeah. Any and literally anything can happen. Like me running up to the the drop toilets and yeah, walking around. I mean, you can and you can go anywhere you want. You know. No, it was brilliant. I, 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 well, of course, the uh, comedy tent is a place where people go to sleep. As well. <laughs> and they do. They go to sleep, <laughs> yes. But especially that time of the morning when they're monged off their head. Yeah, from yeah, the, yeah. Or haven't even slept. You know, they're still going. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Com- com- festival comedy tents are, yeah, strange. Oh, tough, strange tough, venues. Tough, 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 yeah. Um, and I suppose you've been, may have been asked this before, but like, how do you start, how, how does a, a piece... Germany, how do you write something that's so physical or uh, literally looking um, in the mirror? <laughs> it's just it, no, it's just doing. Yeah. Phys- mm. it, it, they pop into my head if I'm doing if I'm mm. busy, like really busy going to going to a gig or something, or um, just pottering around the house, or a song comes on the radio. It's usually music, usually yeah. kicks off something in my head. Or uh, I do a lot of work with kids from t- I, I work with two to seven year olds in the uh, yeah. circus school. We teach circus to them and. Um, uh, you know, I get so many ideas from just fanning around with them, you know, mm. and, and playing games and the stuff they come off with is just genius. You know, a lot of just because it is, it's the purest form of absurdity is the, what the kids. Because there's no filter. No filter at all. And they, mm. the stuff they say is just beautifully innocent. And it's, it's, I love that, you know, but mainly when I, I mean, I get a lot of ideas when I'm doing the dishes for some reason. Yeah. Listening to the radio and doing the dishes for some reason, you know, stuff will just I don't know, just pop into my head. Uh, or I would, or I would uh, go in and uh, watch a lot of uh, my, you know, watch stuff to try and, mm. you know, other uh, comedy stuff to jerk stuff in my head mm. to try and get, you know, try and get the motors going again. Like watch old Python or watch, right? Watch, uh, listen to a lot of goons, listen to some goons and mm. stuff, just just for a bit of inspiration. Right, you right. Know, just something that might spark a. And, th- a germ. and then when you do it, I mean, because if you do something new, it must be it takes a while to. To work, work. To, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Find out where the sometimes it are. works straight away. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. No, it has. Yeah, it'll take a while. Like the right. monkey, uh, the monkey sketch that I do with the Russian roulette with the monkey. That yeah. took quite a few years to develop with the because I used to do it with a volunteer on the stage, and it was just 
creating a lot of tension playing Russian roulette. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then it looked like a yeah. And then it went softer with the monkey, and people kind of warmed to it a lot more. Obviously, because there was a monkey puppet involved. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the relationship between the me and the monkey um, no, that developed. It's, it's over quite nice touching. So, yeah. There's a lot of touching. The the uh, moment with the bear is touching. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wanted to have some more with this show. I wanted to have some more genuinely honest yeah. moments where I just drop the just drop it and and see how the audience take to it. Weirdly enough, though, in Australia. I got way more, way more laughs with the uh, the teddy bear bit. Really? Of the explanation on the teddy bear, you know, when I just you say, explain that you when I explain um, it's about me not having any kids yeah, yet yeah, or yeah. anything, yeah. and uh, there was way more <laughs> in Australia. Very strange. And over here, I don't know whether it's Edinburgh and they when they suddenly think this, this is a piece of drama uh, yeah, or yeah. something, it's and they go quiet. They suddenly become yeah, yeah, maybe that's. It. <laughs> 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 and I'm in my head. I'm going. Why the fuck aren't you laughing? This is like a really awkward. I mean, I'm being honest, but at the same time, guys, like, come on, yeah, yeah, lighten up. It, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Bird. I mean, there's been a few really good giggly, uh, giggly um, crowds, especially when I'm holding the bear, just standing there doing nothing, just to yeah. the music as the music gets louder and louder, and I'm holding the bear. There's been some the, the reaction that I I'm hoping for, which is people just awkwardly laughing and not mm. knowing what is going on. Mm. And then Do you know what? It is kind of touching, though. I have to say, and I've been see thank you the first time, uh, the the second time really touching. <laughs> oh right, okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe because I was with my daughter. Or oh something. right, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And she she saw this the soft side of it as okay. well because <laughs> she loves bears. Oh <laughs> yeah, but, well you uh, know, yeah. and, and I do get a lot of inspiration from kid, from kids and uh, mm. yeah, my my nephew and nieces. They're they're my nephews and nieces. They're 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 great. You know, just. I just love the in- I love bringing the innocence yeah. of yeah kids. I know like the way Kaufman did you know Kaufman brought that just that innocence of yeah. childlike innocence to comedy yeah. clubs and then people suddenly went oh, oh this is amazing. subversive this is so subversive and different and you're going he's just just been a child he's just like been a child thank you very much and it, yeah exactly <laughs> it's so nice it's beautiful <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was his commitment as well you know and then yeah. you know charm obviously charm is a huge factor within stand up yeah. You yeah. know, you gotta have the charm, or you're just not gonna. The audience aren't gonna let you away with it. No, they're not gonna. No. They're not gonna accept it. That is true. That is true. I remember doing. A, I did a, a life coach character for a while, and 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 one one show, it really didn't work, and <laughs> I, I realized, I was just that I, I I forgot that people really do believe in a character once you're up there doing a character. Yeah. Uh, in my head I'm going ah they know it's me yeah, yeah, the character. Yeah. yeah. But nah they believe in the character. Some people and the do. character was just too nasty. And really? they just hated him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. All oh, right. So you've okay. got to kind of pull back a bit. So it was you that was actually starting to hit the No, it was me playing it too real. Oh, okay. Without a kind of a a, yeah, a yeah, nod yeah. and a wink kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. It's the and the, you know it is difficult doing a show every night, trying to remember that here at the festival. You know, mm. uh, it's such a slog. You know, you you and then you do you start criticizing yourself every night if you're not getting the same laughs in certain points that you did the night before. Right, yeah. and it's the same show, essentially in your head. It's the same. It's the same painting. Yeah, you're showing to people every night. Look at my yeah. lovely piece of art. And some people are just clapping and yeah, and other people are like, what? And you're going, it's the same. What the hell's... Why is it not working Yeah, I know. And then you forget audiences are made up of individual, different yeah. 
individual people who are made up of individual minds and pre- preconceptions and it's audiences are just the most fascinating yeah fascinating entity in the world as you a, know as a as a as a group, a group. yeah because Cause they're all different every single one mm. completely different and there's no way of figuring that out there's no way as a performer that you can ever really truly have control of that no at all because, yeah it's oh, just to a certain extent but there there's forever going to go. be there there it's its own every night it's a different thing it's a different beast you're put in front of a different person it's yeah. essentially i always like to it's like making love to someone you know you're having every night you're having sex with somebody different and you don't know who that's going to be it's like a blind date they're turning yeah. up and you don't know whether they're going to be into you if they're going to like you if they're going to like the way you smell or talk or yeah. and uh, sometimes you just got to and you got to find it's, out where they're... Yeah, and try and just get on with them. Where their G-spot is. Where their G-spot, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and some, some gigs is just like you're just you're humping away and nothing's... And you just got to finish, <laughs> got to get to the end. And they're lying there just like looking at their watch. And you're looking at your watch going, yeah, got to finish this. Yeah, and usually that's a Tuesday night. <laughs> Tuesday. Yep, wrote Mr. Kipling. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, last night was my night. Right, yeah, yeah. Last well, it's, night probably was it's, weird. it's coming near the end of the festival. I think so. Do you know weird. what? And actually, I spoke to someone last night mm. and uh, who has been to see a lot of gigs. She works in one of the, for one of the big companies, one of the big agencies. And she said there was weirdly loads of uh, dry, really quiet audiences, grumpy almost audiences. Mm. Loads of people were getting them. Mm. And I found that odd. I'd love well, somebody to do some research on this, you know, at, at the energy at a festival, you know, for certain audiences and, and, and why they're all in a, why they all seem to be collectively in one big weird mood. Yeah. Last night, of a night. A, it's a Thursday, yeah. But it's, it's such a long festival. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I don't yeah. know whether uh, people come. Well, I don't, where do the audiences come from? Do they And are they coming here for a few weeks? Or are there. I think a, a lot few, of them. Yeah. Know, um, well, I think you know, sometimes you get, the, you get the hardcore comedy fans that come here for yeah. like two to three weeks to try and yeah. see as many shows as possible. And then you also get the randomers who are just tourists. Yeah. Um, and then I do, I mean, I do three to f- like two to three hours flyering every day. Yeah. So they're coming to see me because they've met me on the street. Right, okay. And then sometimes maybe they've just got a preconception of the person they've met on the street. And it's different. And then the person they, yeah, the then this fucking madness happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, try to be <laughs> as mad as possible when I'm on the street flyer. <laughs> right, right, To give right. them a yeah, yeah, you don't just go, uh, yeah. hello. Hello. Would you like to come see some, see some observational comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But at uh, the same time, too... Uh, they can't. They, they do. It, I find the ones that have bought tickets just because they've read some five star review or something yeah. are the ones that have got the higher expectations, and then okay, they can be a lot more disappointed uh, with what they <laughs> what, what maybe you know with what they're getting. This isn't that. What the hell? Is um, five star. They've just got five stars going over. It. I've done right. it. I've been there. I've been in a show, watching it, going five stars. Really? Right. For the whole show. Yeah. Going, what the <laughs> fuck? Really? And then you sit and you go, maybe no. What really? Five stars? No. And the stars just start disappearing in your head. Ding. Yeah. Ding. You know, going down. You're going, what? Yeah. So it's a, it can be a, it can be um, an albatross around your neck. You know, if you, if yeah. you do get those that amount of stars, and then pe- audiences do come in with uh, this huge high, high expectation. High expectation. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather they just come in effects. meet me on the street and go, on, he's a bit bonkers. Right. Let's go and check him out. Yeah. You know. But it's gas, though. I mean, the, you will go and see. Uh, I have done three, four shows in a, in a day, and so it can be. A, you can be a bit wrecked. When yeah, I don't know how the hell you, you know, can do that. Three to four shows. In a, I mean, obviously, you've yeah. seen me. I could. 
I could, mate, no, I couldn't do two shows in a day. It would, it would probably kill me. Yeah. Unless I had a massive flyering team and I didn't have to flyer, but I do. Right. I take the flyering very, very seriously. You know, when I'm out flyering, yeah, yeah. it is like it's a performance. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, a three-hour yeah, yeah. performance, and yeah, then yeah, I have yeah. to go and do the show. Yeah. Um, okay, so it does physically take it out. Oh, jeez, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I treat the flyering like I would like a walkabout gig that I would get. You know, for yeah. through the circus skill. Right. I go out in character and keep the energy up. You know, and I have loads of flyers coming up to me who are flyering next to me. Yeah. Going, how the hell do you? Where, you know who look so bored and and, I, and in a way it's um, I'm entertaining them I've had loads of flyers coming up and, and saying thank you for you know like we were all just pissing ourselves there for like two hours you just dicking around on the street and right. clowning and taking the piss out of people and right. you know making you know just having fun yeah 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 with, uh, with all these angry members of the public who don't want any <laughs> bits of paper thrown in their face so I try to figure out different ways of doing it yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, subverting that a little bit you know, by even just, uh, I just, my, my shtick that I came up with a few years back was, was just a, because everyone's saying, trying to get so much information yeah. out about the flyer, I just went, I just start saying blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> you know, as they're coming up to me, I yeah. kind of clear my throat as if I'm about to do a spiel yeah. like everybody else and go, <clears throat> hello, uh, blah, 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 five stars, blah, 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 and uh, blah, blah, blah. And people would wet themselves off and just right. go, that is the best pitch, man. Because yeah. uh, everybody else is trying to, you know, fill their heads with, Oh yes, uh, one such and such, I and it's been at Cambridge, and we the footlights, R- right? And, and so many, st- and you know this review and that review, and literally people on the street. That's all they're hearing is blah 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 mm. words, 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 and uh, I've I've managed to get people to come and see the show through that. No, that's brilliant because they're like, fuck yeah, man, that's that's funny. That's I've, part of that's part of Edinburgh. Yeah, really, getting the yeah, you're just yeah. trying trying to yeah, it's mm. part of the nature of the beast. Really, is flying on the street, you know. It's, yeah, cool. So, what are you up to straight after after Edinburgh? You take a, take a uh, break no, or, I'm going up no? to. I've got like a week off, but I have to. Um, well, I, I've got to. I've got to fix some. I do a lot of. I still do perform puppets and stuff on the streets. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Build and make puppets. So I've got a gig in Derry uh, for a three day family festival up there called the Carnival of Colors, and I'll be All right. doing some puppet puppet stuff at that during the day. As well as doing some uh, some of my comedy at night as well too in the cabaret tent up there. Martin Moore, is oh, Martin coming Moore over. yeah, he's yeah, going to yeah. be over as well doing stuff with that. Yeah. And then um, and where's your gig in Belfast? You say you, you you do a cabaret gig in Belfast? Yeah, yeah. I run it like um, yeah. once or twice a year for like right, three right. nights. Ah, oh, okay. And I, I would go into a venue and uh, like uh, p- potentially it's like an empty venue, a black yeah. box venue or whatever, an empty space. And I have. I've been doing that for 10 years now, so I've oh, built okay. up all these props and things that I've... And, uh, so basically, I decorate uh, a room to look like an old British music hall, a sort of a, an, old yeah. Victorian, an old Victorian music hall, like the Muppets. It's like, essentially, yeah. it's me just getting off and building the Muppet Show set. So I've got, like, gold clamshell footlights and beautiful big proscenium arch, uh, a collapsible proscenium arch. It's gold framed yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. A f- little, um, yeah, little uh, sort of... Uh, Wall lights, little sort of like lampshade wall lights, and cool. make it look like an old Victorian music. I mean, I really go to town on it. I lo- I went to art college, so I, I love uh. sculpture and decorating and, uh. and just being you know physical, hands-on, creative that way. So we'd spend a whole day in a venue, making it, transforming it, yeah, into an old music hall, and then and then I would put on a cabaret with friends and some comedians, some uh, uh, circus performers, stuff like that. And we've got a chairman, 
you know, with the yeah. gavel and the. It's yeah. like the good old days. Oh, the good old days. It's just yeah. like the. Good, it's basically a rip off of the good old days. Yeah. Except it's more kind of good old days meets the young ones. Yeah, yeah. Sort yeah. of, it's a bit more anarchic that way, but it is essentially the good old days. Yeah. Uh, and my friend Stephen Beggs, um, he usually does the Leonard Sachs character, you know, and he would yeah. do the chairman and hosts the whole night. It's great. I love it. And we get it. It's such a huge demographic. Yeah. Come to it. We get like students to like grandparents coming and yeah, and it sells out all the time. And we serve food, so everybody sits at these big long trestle tables, like big banquet tables, wow. side on to the stage the way the old music halls would yeah. be. And they eat their food and they watch the show and oh, drink. And it's great. It's I must fun. keep an eye out for that. Though. Yeah, yeah. I'll get you uh, up for it sometime. Actually, I'd love to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll definitely have to get you up for it. Maybe even this year if you're free. Oh, I'd absolutely a hundred percent. Okay, Paul. absolutely hundred percent. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, sweet. So thanks for meeting me. And you know, no uh, yeah, I was I was late, so sorry about that. No worries. Sorry. It's <laughs> all right. Thanks, Joe. All right. See you, Bob. Cheers, mate. Paul Curry is just a great guy and a great, great comedian. And he will be in a gig I run myself and host in Drogheda in a venue called Odd Molly's on the 29th of September. So if you're in that Drogheda area, just, just you got to get down. you got to see this guy. And B. Dolan is an amazing uh, artist and rapper. And check him out on the three albums called House of Bees, House of Bees. One, two, and three for all the uh, mix mixtape stuff that we mentioned earlier, which um, goes out free a lot of the time, and and has uh, for reasons of copyright. I think that's why that happens because they use samples. Uh, yeah, so uh, I am um, going to do a few gigs in the next week. Now, if you've listened to this in, in the way in the future, if you are from the future, which you will be, but if you're way in the future, this won't matter. But I'm doing a gig in Wexford in Marins, isn't it? In Wexford on the 16th of September, the Friday. And on the 17th, I'm in Bundoran with an amazing lineup. Kevin McAleer, one of the legends of Irish comedy. If anyone has seen Nighthawks way back in the day, Kevin McAleer is the man. And, and Colin Murphy, who we all know from um, TV. TV's Colin Murphy, myself, and the wonderful Sharon Mannion, who is on that Bridget and Eamon show and is a great comedian and improviser. I do improvise with her on a regular basis. Well, yeah. Oh, so I better go. Anyway, so the next few weeks I will be putting out a few interviews that I did during the Edinburgh Fringe. They they uh, are with uh, a couple of young, up-and-coming UK and um, Irish comedians. And there were. And then, after that, I have an interview with a fellow called Ralph Rowell, who plays the plays the uh, drums with Chic and is also a wonderful baker of cookies and a great chat I just had with him indeed so like uh, you know there's some great ones coming up and do let me know what you think of my new style putting a bit of music in the podcast give me some feedback I fucking love feedback mate give it to me okay See you next week. Goodbye. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you to uh, Jack Cody's for the sponsorship. Daniel Rooney for music and production in this in this episode. And Andrew Mangan for production and Castaway Media for hosting. Thank you. Goodbye.
At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. You can save an extra $10 when you spend 40 or more on a great selection of participating items. Just look for the signs and save at Baker's.